This is the Creative Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Lopez. Hope you enjoy this podcast. It's set up and designed for coaches, leaders, and influencers to share their stories and inspire others to share their stories as well. That we can all learn together as a community and get better every day. So thank you for listening. You're season two. Today's guest is Freddy Zamora. Coach Zamora is the head coach of the Toledo Glass City Basketball Club of the Premier Basketball League. We talked to him today about being an overcomer, being loyal and honest. Are you brave enough to take opportunities? And you should do hard things. I hope you enjoy this podcast and you look to get better every day. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Hey, how you doing, Mike? I'm doing well. I'm so thankful you made the time to be on Coach Samora. I, uh, you know, look forward to, to my time with you. And here again, thank you for making the time and taking the time. Oh, absolutely. I'm, uh, it's a pleasure to be on, man. Thank you for having me. Yes, let's start it off, Coach. Uh, how were you introduced to the game of basketball? Uh, so I have, uh, I have two older brothers, um, and we all loved all types of sports. Um, but they they always loved basketball, and we had a little park right down the road from us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and me and my brother right above me, Dave, um, we were pretty close. Uh, we would always fight and stuff all the time, but we were close. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, we would go down to that park together, and, and we would just play basketball. I mean, until the light came on, we'd still be out there shooting. So it was that, and I think just watching the game myself um, growing up. I, I was always watching college basketball games and NBA games, and it's just I had so much fun doing it all the time. Like you hear people say, it's their sanctuary. Like that's kind of how it is for me, even till this day. So <laughs> yeah, no, I can, I can, I can kind of sympathize with that. I mean, like I don't know. There's a lot. I mean, being with my family obviously is the biggest kind of rest that I get into. But there's mm-hmm. times where I'm watching basketball and I'm just resting, like just resting and watching it. There's a comment that comes over me. Now, when it's me coaching, that's a different story. Like, there's no rest. Right. <laughs> but right. I, rest right. I rest while other people are stressed out So uh, on TV. So I do like that. Right. Yeah. And that's a great way to, to, to kind of come to the game is seeing it and then being like, okay, like, I want to be a part of this. And then you actually jump mm-hmm. into it. Like So that's, that's a great progression. Now, Coach, what was your experience like as a player? Oh, so this is a story too. Uh, so I um, played basketball like my whole life, um, and I was always really, really short. Uh, I kid you not, man. I was always like one of the shortest guys in the school, right? Okay. Uh, and so my freshman year, I played basketball. Um, my sophomore year, uh, they had tryouts, and I was still super short, right? Um, I, don't get me wrong, I could still hoop because I played all the time, yeah. so I could still hoop. Um, but I was short, um, and I actually got cut uh, my sophomore year. Whoa. And like Michael Jordan. I'll tell you what. Yeah, I'll <laughs> tell you what. Like if you have something like you feel like your soul left your body. Because <laughs> yeah. like basketball was like all I knew. Like I loved it. It's all I did. <clears throat> so to have that happen uh, was like, man, this is crazy. Like you, we would have never guessed, right? And so um, that happens, and. There's a lot that goes into that story, too, and what kind of ties me into why I started coaching. Um, so, anyways, that happens. And my, my junior year, I hit a growth spurt, right? Okay. 
So I, I, I grow to probably like to be about like six foot or so. Okay. And nice. and I'm still hooping, right? I'm still hooping, and like I play all the time and everything still. And everybody's like, man, why don't you go? Why don't you try out? You should you should try out again and stuff, right? And I was like, no, nah, I don't want to play for him. Um, so I decided not to not to try to play for the play for the school. Um, but I like I said, I still played all the time. Yeah. Um, so I graduated. <clears throat> I graduated. And I had left high school, and I'm like, man, I was about to go to Bowling Green State University uh, to just go to school. I'm like, whatever, like, basketball stuff done. And, again, it goes back to my brother Dave. He was playing at Tennessee Temple University uh, out of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Yeah. And he's like, man, my coach is looking for somebody to, to come play. He's, like, looking for guards and stuff. I said, well, you know what? It's like a nine-and-a-half-hour drive, and my, my parents at the time would take my brother to and from school. And they're like, well, when we go get him, why don't you go try out, right? And so I'm like, all right, I'll just I'll go do it because I wanted to see it anyways, you know. And I go down there, and he had some guys from the team and stuff that I played with. And uh, it's Coach Randy Lee. He's the the one that really gave me my first shot uh, at playing. And so I go to Tennessee Temple Temple University uh, on a partial athletic scholarship, which is crazy. No high school experience. Um, so I play there for a year, right? And uh, I, I redshirted, but I was there for a year. And uh, like I learned all my work ethic and hard work there. Um, but I was a fresh 18-year-old, and I'm like, I'm too far from home. Wow. <laughs> I, I, like I said, I was nine and a half hours away, right? <clears throat> and so I was like, you know what? I got to uh, gotta move back closer to home. So I started emailing coaches uh, back closer to home. And so I, I got a hold of Coach Christopher at Ohio Christian University. Uh, it's in Circleville, Ohio, just south of Columbus. And he, he was like, okay, well, come try out and stuff, right? So I'm going to another tryout. <laughs> um, and so I tried out there, and, and he wanted me on. And, and like I said, I just stayed there. So I finished out my playing career there. But uh, the kind of player I was, I mean, I was always a shooter. I was always like a knockdown shooter. And uh, the thing about me is I always worked hard. I mean, even if it's just suicides and sprints, I didn't want to lose. So I didn't, I didn't like nobody to me. So that's the kind of player I really was. Good deal, man. Always at the tryout, man. Yeah, trying. That's crazy, though. That's crazy, though, that you didn't play one lick of high school ball. And, then, man. and there you go. Like, wow. That's, and listen, that's that, that, was a, that was a story I was, like, embarrassed of for, like, the longest time. I kid you not. <laughs> this is probably my first time ever talking about it. That's good, and, man. Uh, I, I'm so serious. And I was like, you know what? I was like, that's an overcoming story, man. Yeah, and, sure. and it's something I can tell people now. And it's just, I don't know. Seeing where I'm at, like, and what I'm doing now is just, it's crazy to look back on that kind of stuff, but. Yeah, no, do you, uh, humble beginnings, man, but yet, <laughs> really, I don't know, somebody who goes from no high school ball at all to college ball, man, that's a, that's a chess beater right there, that's like, you know, like when Kobe pulled his jersey to the side and hit him, hit beat his chest, it's like, yeah. that kind of moment, man, like, I did it. Y'all guys spent all y'all time on varsity and JV and freshman, and I, and I still got to play college ball. So, yeah. And listen, man, this is what's crazy, too, is, like, that chest-beating moment for me was being able to go back and play in their open gym wow. after everything that I've learned and developed. Yeah. And then just kind of seeing, you know, like, you see it in somebody's eyes, like, they don't want to talk to you about it or bring it up, <laughs> but they're like, all right, like, he's, he's that dude now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was my chest-beating moment wow. to, to finally have that. <laughs> that's that's cool, man. That, you know, again, it's like you said, a, kind of one of those triumphant overcoming moments where, mm -hmm. you know, kind of the least likely person to get something done is the person who gets it done. Like, it's, it's 
we always tell young people or players, hey, it's not a race, and, and it really isn't. And uh, it, although at that moment it's hard for them to understand that because they feel like it is. Uh, right, but, right. But eventually you can get to where you want to get uh, through hard work, perseverance, really perseverance for you. Uh, getting right. out there and just getting it done. So that's great. It's a great story, dude. Like really, really is. <laughs> so you, you know, you talked a little bit earlier about as far as how you got into coaching. So who or what influenced you to go into coaching? Right. So that kind of, that kind of, uh, transitions into this is like, uh, when I was cut, um, like I said, if, if I was too short or whatever the case may be, um, it was one of the reasons I look back as like why I wanted to be a coach. I'm like, if I'm ever to be in that chair uh, and have to give that news to a kid, which would be tough for anybody, you know? Yeah. Um, and a coach doesn't have to tell you that if, if they cut you. I mean, if they want to cut you, they cut you, right? But yeah. that's something I said that I'm like, if I'm going to be a coach, I want to tell this kid exactly what it is that he needs to work on yeah. um, to maybe make the team next year. And I, I would encourage that and stuff, you know? Um, and so I didn't have that. And so that was one of the things I'm like, all right, that's something I want to – if I can ever have that say, I want to have that say. Um, but I'd say the biggest thing for me, uh, as far as like my calling into coaching, was when I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So I had moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, and I'm in a sales job, sales and recruiting job, um, and I'm sitting there in my cubicle, and I'm making phone calls to, to companies that probably don't want to talk to you, right? <laughs> and and I'm just like, man, this is this is it now, right? Like, this is what I'm doing. I mean, you can make great money and everything, right? But it's just like, something just kept telling me in my head. I'm like, this is not what you're meant to do. This is not why you're here. And I was just, every day, I'm like, what am I supposed to be doing? And I kept coming back to basketball, and I didn't know what it was for. I don't know if it was to be a trainer, if it was to be a coach. I would have never thought I'd want to be a coach, to be honest yeah. with you. And I talked to Coach Lee, who was at Tennessee Temple, who kind of got me started in all of this. And uh, we're still in touch to this day, but he was talking to me like, well, why don't you try coaching and stuff, right? And I kid you not, Mike, I probably sent out uh, 80 to 100-something emails to college coaches across the country. Wow. Uh, I'm, I kid, I'm copy and pasting, <laughs> copy and pasting <laughs> and changing names. Yeah, yeah. Um, just like, give me a shot, right? And and I'm in, like I said, I'm, I'm just looking around like, just somebody give me a shot. I'm ready to move. I'm ready to just try to do something. I'm getting no nobody hit me back and wow. so out of all the schools that hit me back it's Oral Roberts University which is a division one that happens yeah. to be in Tulsa Oklahoma nice and uh it's coach Samuel Patterson um nice. who was at Baylor before yeah and so um he hit me back and he's like well yeah like we're we're actually like a new staff here like we, we need all hands on deck type thing and he's like come in on this day at this time and stuff right and I, I think it was even a day that I was at work and I, I had to even like leave out early to be able to get there, you know, cause I'm like, I didn't want to tell him like, no, I can't do that. <laughs> and so, so I made it over there and I like, I put on my suit and I went over to Oral Roberts university. And, um, so I walked in there and I met coach Patterson and I'm meeting all the, the staff and the players and, uh, just kind of watch practice, like how they, how they do stuff and everything. And then I go into the, to the office with coach Mills and he kind of talks about expectations and, and uh, what he's looking for and stuff. And he's like, well, we would love to have you if you want to be a part of this. Wow. Uh, and so I took my graduate assistant coaching job uh, there at Old Roberts. Cool. You know, we talk about Sam and Coach Mills. Great people, mm -hmm. man, especially Sam. Sam is one of the 
one of the coaches that I've really connected with over the years and is just solid. Like I met him when he was at Baylor and then mm-hmm. as the time went on, you know, he, he, he's there at ORU doing a, doing a great job. Uh, but yeah, man, he's a connector of people and he's always mm-hmm. looking out to help. Uh, so yeah, yeah. You, you here again, man, you, uh, you got real fortunate <laughs> to just no, man. to kind of get be in that situation. And so, right. And it, and it, it was crazy. Cause like I said, it's, I mean, out of all the schools in the country that I hit up man, the, the school to hit me back to be in the city that I'm already in was, it's still mind blowing to me this day. I'm like, I don't know. You can't tell me any different, man. It's just, it's yeah. crazy how things work. Yeah. Shout out to Sam. Who's a product of, yeah. of the 210, just like I am here in San Antonio. Yeah, we'll make sure to tag him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Big ups to Sam. Now, I want to ask you, do you recall, like, a memorable moment of your first experience as a coach? Oh, there's a lot of those uh, for <laughs> me. Um, but trying to take it all in and stuff. Um, I would say the, probably the most memorable moment for me would be, I mean, being on campus there. Because um, the thing about me I played at smaller schools to where they had chains on the door and I had to like break in to go and shoot around. Right. <laughs> and so I'm on these small campuses. Um, and then to go to a, a division one campus to potentially work for and stuff, talk about, uh, in- intimidating, you know, yeah. um, I'm like, dang, this is crazy. Like this is, this is what division one's like. Right. And so yeah. I'm looking at their practice gym and I'm like, this is better than my gym, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I, I would have to say probably, stepping foot on that campus because it's a beautiful campus too um i've been there and then just just being able to i mean be that close for the first time to division one coaches and and talking to them and see how they operate and stuff and probably the most memorable moment is stepping on campus and then probably in the in the office with coach mills uh in his office kind of talking about the position fantastic yeah no i you know you just telling that story i'm picturing it and yeah i couldn't imagine you knew three, you know, prior to that interaction with Coach Sam that that was even going to be a possibility, you know. Right. So they kept sending out those emails and, you know, to no avail. Then all of a sudden, you know, hey, I'm in Coach Mel's office. Right? Wow. And it, like you said, a D1 program. Like, whoa, this is it. So that's, that's, that's yeah. great stuff, man. Sounds like, you you know, basketball's been good to you, you know, from a, on a personal and a professional standpoint, but uh, definitely been good to you. So, right, absolutely. So now, as a head coach, right? Uh, yep. You know, what leadership principles do you hold close to you? You know, as far as now at the pro level, like what what, right. what is it that you see as far as culture and all that? What what principles do you take with you? Um, there's a lot that I take um, from what I've learned to this point, and it, it's very similar. I mean, you obviously when you're leading people, and you want to lead by example, so. Yeah. Um, something that we even do that I've learned from one of my other mentors, uh, Coach Rodney Perry. Um, he does a thing called uh, my push-ups, right? So mm-hmm. if you say I can't or my fault, uh, stuff like that, that's stuff that we hold and it kind of builds into culture. Yeah. But if I even say it, I mean, I have to do the push-ups too. <laughs> so you, you got two push-ups yeah. to get down and knock out. Um, but I like leading by example. Uh, and obviously I know everybody uses that word culture, but culture is super important. Very. Um, so we, we try to build a, a really strong culture, and it, it's everybody involved. So as far as, like, the principles, though, we, we the stuff we bring is, like, I want them to be professionals because that's what they are. Yeah. Um, so you're professional on and off the court. Um, practice expectations. I mean, we're on time. We, we start on time. Stretching gets out of the way first. 
Yeah. Um, and, and like I said, we, we need guys communicating and talking. Uh, if we don't have enough of that, we're doing push-ups. Um, having your jerseys tucked in is a thing. Like, just everything, every little detail matters because it translates over to the court. You know, you all these things are going to matter. I mean, you're not going to win a game without communicating. Yeah. Um, so all, all, all those kind of principles, like I said, just the expectations and, and communication and being professional and, and being disciplined. Yeah, because at that level, you're dealing with men who can do whatever in the world they want to do. And mm-hmm. you can't hold them by their hand. And so if right. they're not disciplined, they're going to, they're going to, I don't know, come up short in their personal life. And it's probably going to transition or translate to the, to their game and to the team right. and to their overall success. And then eventually their paycheck. And so, yeah, uh, that definitely is something that's important communication too. I mean, I've seen so many things break down because yeah. of bad communication or miscommunication or no communication. And so, yeah, very important. I think every coach listening can learn from that. And and re- I think I think we all know it. I just don't think we are uh, constantly aware of it. Like there's some things right. that we no, need to constantly point. be aware of and hold ourselves accountable to. So, yeah, right. It's a, it's a good point. It's almost like with the uh, like with the kid, you want to keep having repetition with with yeah. doing stuff. You know, yeah. doing stuff the right way. And I mean, it's something that you got to do every single day. Um, just so that everybody has it stuck in their heads. And, and our guys did a really good job of just grasping, grasping it and, and taking it by the by the horn. So Yeah, fantastic, Coach. I appreciate you bringing those things up. Now, evaluating players, like that's something that I, I, I get more and more intrigued with, especially at the pro mm-hmm. level, right, because there's a different way to evaluate. Say, like, you know, uh, you talked about being at Oral Roberts, how you evaluate an incoming high school kid or a JUCO kid mm-hmm. or a transfer than from mm-hmm. how you evaluate uh, a, a man wanting to be a pro, uh, that this mm-hmm. is completely different. So how, how do you evaluate differently to find the right pieces for your team? Right. Uh, so there's a lot that factored into that for me this year. And obviously it's the first year um, that the organization's come about. But my biggest thing is when I was putting this team together, uh, like any other coach, it's a, it's a puzzle. Yeah. So you're, you want the right pieces to fit. Uh, you need to know exactly what you want in them areas. So whether you need a shooter or you need this type of guard, um, that that's what you want, right? And the biggest thing for me, too, is I with something like this, I wanted to see guys that were like, he's really bought in, you know? Yeah. And to do that, I feel like you almost had to, like, break them before you can do that. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is we had um, some very, very tough conditioning days. Um, because in my mind, I'm like, if these guys put in this type of work without me giving them a Jersey or, or anything yet, if they put in this type of work and they come every day and they show up on time, it's like you clock in for work. These guys are serious, right? So talent and what you can do on the court, obviously is a factor, but I wanted to see, all right, does he talk? Does he communicate to me that he's going to be here at conditioning? Is he going to show up? Is he going to work hard? Am I going to keep pushing him? You know, I wanted to see where they were all at like that. Um, and so I purposely did our signing day after our conditions because I'm like, let me see who really makes it through this before I go, before our team goes and announces anybody on this team. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, like I said, that was my biggest thing. I wanted to see what guys, who's not scared to put in the work, who's not scared to show up on time, who's got the right talents, who's the right person for these spots, the one through five, and, 
And like I said, we just kind of went from there. So that's how I evaluated this year. Wow. You know, I've heard stories of that where, you know, old old school stories. Nothing, <laughs> not too new school because that's not a new school concept. But right. uh, of guys, you know, connecting with NBA, uh, you know, GMs or and then they're like, hey, I, I really want a, an opportunity. And they say, all right, run up and down, do all, you know, take them through a physical workout, having nothing to do with basketball. And then they, so they can see all right, how serious are you? Like, I've literally heard of that. Like, I have a podcast coming out soon. You'll hear it. And so it's just, it's just really, really uh, refreshing to hear that that's how you went about it. Because you're right, man. There's a, I don't know, high risk, high reward. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of what I wanted to build, yeah. like you said, and that's that was the thing with me. That's how my, like my mentality is. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I'll tell you like a little thing, like on our very last day of conditioning, uh, guys were kind of like they even told me after we finished, like, oh, I thought this was gonna be like an easy day or whatever, right? And I'm not gonna put my guys through something that I can't do myself. Uh-huh. And I kid you not, the very last day of conditioning, they ran eight and a half miles straight. What? Wow. That was that's how we finished our conditioning up, and and I'm not even gonna mention the other days. The other days were tough too. Yeah. Um. But like me, I like running. I'm a runner now, and yeah. I just recently got into it this year. Um. But like to this day, I'm up to 412 miles on the year. Jeez. And I want to get to 500 miles uh by by the new year, right? Yeah. And so that's why I said I do long distance stuff, and the run that they did, I've already did. So mm. I wanted to see like, all right, who can do this? Like, are they gonna break? And so it's just, I don't know. I have a tough mentality, man. I want my guys to, to think just like I do and to be just as tough as I am. So. Well, you want them You want them to kind of have, you know, we always think of that. Like when we break down teams, we think, do they have the same kind of DNA as their coach? Like teams will always kind of mm-hmm. mirror or resemble their coach's, uh, you know, either attitude, toughness, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I hear you 100%. Like, it's the same kind of, uh, you know, mentality. So, that's great, man, right. because you get to put your thumbprint on that team, to your team. Right, absolutely. And so yep. that, that's really autonomy, all that. It's really super important when building your own, uh, you know, organizational uh, kind of platform. Like, you're saying this is my right. platform. Just like we're seeing in the politics, right, the, with, with Republicans, Democrats, Independents, whatever, they run off a platform. Well, you know, Coach Freddie's got his platform, and this is it. So you either in or you out. Right. That's great. Right. That's great. You're right. You're right. That's awesome. So, Thank you. how have all your prior experiences like? With you, you, we talked earlier about your time with Moken, and that's yeah, you know, that's mm-hmm. the high level EYBL top, you know, AAU program in the country. Like, you know, winning the mm-hmm. Peach Jam a couple years ago, stuff like that, and your time at the JUCO level or Roberts. Uh, all that, like, how did your your prior experiences in coaching prepare you for this opportunity? Right, that's a great question. Where I'm going to start at isn't even with coaching, uh, as crazy as that sounds. Yeah. Uh, and I want young coaches and stuff, too, that are listening, I want them to understand that take on jobs, take on hard jobs, uh, to even get to coaching, you know? Mm-hmm. Because I look at every job that I've had in the past that wasn't even involved with basketball, and I've taken stuff from them that I that I still apply to this day. Because mm. um, I've had a hard labor working job. I mean, I'm talking about like lifting up garage doors and, and stuff like that, you know, in, in a shipping department. So I've been, I've did the dirty job too. Yeah. Um, so I took that, that, that work ethic, that hard work from that. And then um, even with sales, I did sales and recruiting. Uh, it teaches you relationship building. 
yeah. and dealing with numbers and, and, and being on time, all that stuff. I've taken all that with me into my coaching career. Um, so that, that's really important. Like just because if you're, if you're working a job that's not even involved with basketball, there's still stuff that you can be taken from that position to, to carry over. Yeah. Um, but that brings me into ORU. So, so at ORU, obviously, it's, it's, it's a Division One level. Um, so I'm seeing exactly how a, a, a program could be ran. And that was really, really big because not only with Coach Paul Mills, but the staff, um, with Coach Sam Patterson and Coach Rodney Perry and uh, Coach Calvin Hester, they were all really good at being organized. Um, so I, they, they, every little detail, like I said, that's the thing with Coach Mills. He's super... Uh, detailed, and I, I loved it. I mean, I'm talking about his practices were timed, and uh, he had everything in order, what we needed to work on, and stuff like that. So, taking all of that, and then I mean, even for my my good buddy there, he's a shout out to Ian Lehman. He's like the the GA video coordinator there. He uh he showed me film and stuff, and and I, like from my playing days, I didn't really understand like film like that, you know. Yeah. And it's a whole nother ball game when you watch it get uh, cut up and. and what it looks like when you're showing a team to do scouts and stuff. So um, learning that part and then learning just like putting together scouting reports, um, like players' tendencies and stuff like that. So that's a lot of stuff that I took from ORU. Um, and then I had a little stint uh, in between ORU and Mocan actually uh, at Summit Christian Academy uh, in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Okay. And Coach Rodney Perry, he was the associate head coach at Oral Roberts. He went to Summit Christian Academy as the head coach. And uh, my daughter at the time was about to start kindergarten. And I was like, you know what? That's a, that's a great school. I was like, I want to get her enrolled there and stuff. And I was like, well, let me go help him because he's a very knowledgeable guy too. Um, yeah. So I'm looking long-term. I'm like, who can I like really learn from firsthand, get a hands-on experience and stuff. And so I went with Coach Perry to Summit Christian Academy. And um, it was probably one of the best decisions I ever made. Uh, but he, he just kind of let me – he gave me the reins and then the breakdown of how everything works. And uh, it kind of ties into Mocan, but because he's a, a huge part of Mocan's success as well, too. Yeah. Um, but again, just the, how he how he runs a program, he, he showed me how to run a top-notch program. Um, and I couldn't thank him enough for me being so prepared uh, the way I am today as far as, like, my scouting reports and player tendencies and uh, how to run a practice. Like I said, the push-ups part, that's, that's all him. Yeah. Um, and just simple, like little detail stuff that it's just, man, I, I can't thank them enough for, for teaching me all that. So, um, so from Summit and Mocan, um, just taking that over with me to, to where I am now has been huge too. That's great, coach. I mean, those are here again, almost like humble beginnings, taking that time right. to, to really, like you said, even away from basketball, understanding how to be. We, we talk about this a lot with college coaches about being a CEO of your program. Like, if you mm-hmm. can't be that CEO of your program, you probably shouldn't be the head coach. Like, <laughs> and so like, right. you're, you're talking about those things of learning how to, you said from, from Coach Mills as well, how to run mm-hmm. a program, how to set things up. Like, he's a, Coach Mills is a great CEO. So, yeah, who, right. who, who kind of, uh, who can kind of take you and lead you and guide you through along with coach, coach Perry, you know, you're talking right. about solid people. So that's, that's fantastic that you had those interactions with those type of people here again, kind of winning again, dude, right. like you won, you keep winning in, in, in your, in your journey as a coach, because not everybody gets to 
be mentored or, you know, like you said, by leading by example, they did for you and and definitely paying dividend for you now. So that's right. And like I said, too, like with, uh, with coach Perry, that's kind of how the MoCan thing even came about. Um, I knew that I'm like, if I go, if I go and work my tail off, I'm going to do that regardless. But the way I work and work for him, um, after our season had ended and, and at summit, we actually brought the first ever conference championship, uh, in the history of the program. Nice. Um, and so after we had like a great year and after that season, uh, he had contacted me. He's like, I, I, I do that stuff with Mo Can and do you want to be involved in everything? And then, uh, again, it's like a, a no brainer to me. I'm like, I drive to Kansas city and stuff from Tulsa and I'm like to be around basketball year round. Count me in. <laughs> yeah. And so that's kind of how the MoCan stuff came about. But no, it's, it's, I've been very fortunate, like you said, just, just to work with these kind of, these kind of coaches, man, that really care. And stuff. that's what it's all about. It's yeah. about being able to be there and mentor and, and give back. So not only to your players and stuff, man, but to other coaches. Like I tell coaches all the time, take my cell phone number. I mean, call me, text me. And, and I don't mean that. I don't say that just to say that. Like, really, <laughs> call me, text me, man. Anybody, if you, anybody that knows me, they, they know I'm that kind of guy. So. Yeah. No, you know, availability is huge. Access is huge when it comes to, right. to, to a couple of things. When it comes to wanting to maybe not, you know, specifically being a mentor, but just somebody who can speak and you know, speak vision, cast vision sometimes. Right. And say, hey, right. be careful with that. Watch that. Be care- you know, don't do that. It sounds, it sounds like a good idea, but maybe <laughs> think about this, you know. Right. That's huge, man, because there's not enough. I don't think there's enough people available for that. Uh, no, I agree. For, for I others. Agree. And, and, you know, you and I have been fortunate enough to have people like that in our lives. And I think more coaches, especially coaches listening right now, if you don't have somebody like that in your life, go find them. If not, yeah. if not, hit me up, DM me. Or Coach yeah. Zamora, one of us, somebody. Yeah. Will, we'll find somebody for you. Uh, Absolutely, so, and we'll be them coaches. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and that's yeah. so important. So now I kind of want to transition to to kind of on the same yeah. subject as far as, like, representation. Like, I think that's part of it, too. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we're both from the Hispanic culture, and I think mm-hmm. that, that means a lot for a lot of Hispanic coaches coming up and even are already in the business to see other people uh, providing representation for the younger generations to see and say, Hey, if they can do it, I can do it. And which is as true as anything. But so I'd ask you coach, how important is it for other Hispanic coaches to understand that that opportunity is there and, or I should say, is there a ceiling of sorts that we can't get past? Right. Right. Um, I'd say there's a little bit of, a little bit of both. I think, um, it's so important to just like, like you said, have a vision um, and not only have a vision, believe in that vision. Yeah. Uh, Cause it all starts with you. You know what I'm saying? Like if, if I didn't believe in myself that I could go and play college basketball, I would have never went to that tryout. I, mean, I can't do that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but that's what it's about. I'd say just, just be believing first and have a vision, have a plan. Um, but it's super important. I, I want, I want the, the other Latinx coaches to understand like, you can you can do it too, you know, and and that's the thing about us, and and our our heritage is, we and I say this humbly, we're the hardest workers that I know. Um, Facts. We're the hardest workers that I know, and there's no job too big, there's no job too small. Yeah. Uh, and we're gonna tackle everything, and we're, like I said, we're gonna put our head down and we're gonna grind. Yeah. So I say that humbly, we're the hardest workers I know. But it's up to us to be able to apply that to 
to, to what, whatever it is we want to chase in life, whether that's coaching or a career or whatnot, just applying that and using that. Um, and as far as the ceiling, uh, it's a great question. Uh, it's one of those things that, I mean, there's, there's a very small amount of Latinx coaches uh, yeah. at any level, you know? Um, so if you're looking at that right away, you're going to be like, well, oh, I don't stand a chance. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but again, if you're thinking like that, then obviously you're not going to go very far. Yeah. Um, but I, like I said, it's just, it's all about putting the work in, uh, building relationships, talking to other coaches, learning, uh, just be coachable, man. Like uh, coaches need to be coachable, uh, just as much, you know, yeah. so just being able to be open-minded and, and taking advice from people. And I guess the other way that we could help is, is other, uh, Latinx coaches reading out, reaching out to them, uh, some, some men and women that have already did this reach out to them, pick their brains, like, how'd you do it? What'd your journey look like? Uh, I know I've kind of talked to you too, Mike, is just, I'm on my, like, uh, on a lunch break or something like that. If I'm driving in my car, uh, I, I'm listening to podcasts. I, I'm yeah. listening to your podcast. I'm listening Thank you. to other podcasts. I want to yeah. know what, what were these coaches' journeys, how'd they do it, what, yeah. what'd they do? Because, like I said, I have days that I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, what am I doing? Like, is this, <laughs> is this right for me? Like, is this what it's supposed to be? And then you yeah. hear a coach's journey and you're like, all right, like this is, I'm doing the right thing, man. There's, there's, there's a peaks and valleys, what they say, you know, so yeah. just, just staying on the path. I'll tell you what, uh, the obstacles in life, the, mm -hmm. uh, sometimes the detours in life and the struggles in life when it comes to coaching, go or I should say just in life maybe not in coaching it it kind of supersedes or cuts across all racial you know the whole racial spectrum so to say you know Latinx coaches have to go through more in their personal lives which is not true because all of us go through the same things people are people right I think right. It's, I think it's the opportunity part that most people don't talk about for Latinx coaches is that was the opportunities there for us? If it is there for us, maybe we're just not looking at it. Uh, or maybe it's, or maybe there's a reason. Uh, you right. know, we hear a lot about systemic racism. Uh, is there something systemic that we need to kind of uh, a bridge a gap, figure out something, uh, wrong, right. right or wrong? And I think that's, that's, a, that's a, I don't know, that's a platform we need to jump on because right. we talked earlier and, we, we come from a background, most of us that are Latinx and, you know, our, our, our heritage says, just keep working, just work, just work. Don't say nothing. Just keep mm -hmm. working, do your best, put your hands to the plow, work, grind, yeah. which is, that's what we're going to do for sure. Just yeah. like anybody else, regardless of race, we're going to work. We're all going to yeah. work to get to where we want to get in life. That's what we're assuming, right? But. Yeah. I think too, where is it that we can speak up and say, Hey, this don't look right. Hey, th yeah. that doesn't look right. Like do you, where do you think that goes? Because I think we do need to speak up and we do need to talk yeah. because right now yeah. in our nation and how things are going, uh, it's time to speak up because mm -hmm. we're, we're not, I don't, I'm going to say we're not completely being heard, but I don't know. I, I mean, everybody tell me, Maybe I'm, maybe it's just me, but right. I, I think about those things, coach, do you, yeah, no, right. when it comes to that, what are your thoughts on that? Right. And, and I mean, you hit it, you hit it right on the head. Um, and, and it starts with us. Um, that's the biggest thing I've been learning is it starts with us and we have to, we have to talk, uh, about it 
and it has to it has to be out in the open, and we have to come up with solutions because and, and take action. Because yeah. I'm a person that I, I don't like when people just talk about doing something. Mm. Yeah. You got to go and do it. Yeah. Um, and so, like I said, the only way that gets done is if we do have meaningful conversations, and then apply this stuff and take action. Yeah. Um, like I said, with with the Latinx coaches. How can how can we help these other coaches? You know, how can we help them get to where they want to be? And because yeah. I mean, now now if we're pouring knowledge into all these other coaches and teaching them stuff that we know and everything, now we're setting them them up for success to at least have the tools, you know, yeah, um, to to take with them. And and that's that's what it is. Like you said, just it, it's time to speak up, you know. And I'm not talking about lash out or nothing like that. I'm talking about have meaningful conversations and awareness. Like, let's start to be heard. Yeah. Let's start to be heard. Yeah, there needs to be some awareness. I think, you know, uh, groups like the Latinx Association of Basketball Coaches is kind of doing that. And I appreciate them mm-hmm. for that because uh, you're seeing more and more visibility of, you know, the Latinx, Hispanic culture out there as far as coaches are concerned. Because off the cuff, man, there's some people that you said, okay, name me, just name me three Latinx coaches in, in the NCAA. A, a division one let's go there there's 352 schools whatever name me name me three people would have a hard time doing that they would have a yeah. real hard time doing that and yeah I, and like we kind of spoke too like the i mean I, i'm curious to even see the numbers of latinx coaches across women's and men's basketball uh at any level yeah i would i would love to see those numbers i, I would really would yeah i, I know uh just I think just the awareness. I think, you know, individuals like Frank Martin, you know, we yep. look at him and, and people say, yeah, he's 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 one of a kind. Yeah, he's one of a kind as an individual, as a human being, for sure. Like, that guy's, that guy's the dude. Like, he's, he's great. Right. Uh, but when you factor in, like, his heritage, when you factor in, like, he's, I don't know, he carries a torch for us, in right. a sense. Right. And that more of us, uh, we can do it. We're qualified. We're knowledgeable. We have. Mm-hmm. We have. We're just as qualified as anybody else, regardless Absolutely. of race and all that. So yeah, I just think awareness needs to be there. Like we don't. Mm-hmm. We, we we can do what we can do uh, from a standpoint of succeeding to get attention because that's usually what you have to do is be really right. really good. But sometimes you have to work, you know, twice right. as hard to get noticed. Yep. Or whatever the case, but we just need to bring awareness, and I hope that's what this does, Coach, because I, th- I agree. I think I think this is definitely an opportunity for coaches to hear this and say, "Well, I never thought about that. I never thought about you know Hispanic Latinx coaches and the opportunity maybe they're not getting. And why is that? That's that's odd, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's think about this. So, I agree, so Coach. I appreciate you answering that. Now, how important is your heritage to you? Mm-hmm. See that's uh that's something that, I, that I've I've taken uh, very seriously. Um, growing up, I didn't I didn't know about it as much or or nothing like that, you know. And I think as you get older, you want to learn more about it, right? Um, and so as I've gotten older, I've really taken held of it. Like I'm I'm very proud of it now, because now I'm thinking about like man, I'm watching my parents and my grandparents and stuff like how they raise families and everything and, and how we, like you said, how our culture is, like how we go about uh, handling our business and stuff. Um, so I take great pride in it. Um, and the other part of it is too, is my, my grandparents and uh, actually my little brother, 
they've all been involved with uh, it's called Flock. Okay. Uh, and they help uh, labor workers, our kind of people, yeah. uh, to be treated fairly. Nice. And um, so they're a big part of that. And that that's kind of something I've been getting involved when, with uh, now, too, as I get older. Um, it's just being involved with that kind of stuff. And I'm like, there's a reason my grandparents wanted to be involved with that, you know, um, to make sure our people are being treated fairly. Yeah. And it kind of goes back to my players, too. Uh, there was actually a, a flock meeting and a, and a black and brown coalition to have meaningful conversations here in Toledo, Ohio, with the police department and stuff. And like I said, it's steps. Um, there's a code of conduct that got put into place here, um, and and we it's a big meeting between everybody and like I said, the police department as well to have these conversations. Because <laughs> yeah. that's what it's all about. And again, it's yeah. taking action. Um, so my, my heritage means it means a ton to me and. Um, like I said, I'm super proud of it now, and, and especially with with the amount of Latinx coaches like we had discussed that are that are in this thing. I want more, and I want to be able to help more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, man, it's important. I think not that your heritage is who you are necessarily, but it mm-hmm. plays a part, and then sometimes it plays right. a huge part. So you got to be aware of where you came from, uh, what you represent in reality sometimes because I think we I don't know you're saying that you think you talked about yourself I mean our, my heritage was realized early on and you know as, as a as a like a young man you know teenager I was all about the La Raza you know I was about you know all that whole culture like we were a little bit too kind of I don't not say militant but we were a little bit too worked up about it and yeah. now as an adult I can kind of understand it more from a more like less uh aggressive point of view right and so like i put it that way because it was kind of like we were we were we were into it man. And, hey, so, and, that's, and that's texas too though man yeah. you're from texas yeah. I'm, I'm ohio so that yeah. i can totally understand that i can totally understand yeah, that that's yeah, a different type yeah yeah dude we're we're you know we're what three hours three and a half hours from the border and so, like, right. yeah, we're, we're real <laughs> close to the situation. And yeah, so, cool. so, you know, people say, well, it's this like this down there. It's like that down there. Uh, nobody knows till they go down there. And if you live close enough, like the way we do, we know. Uh, it's, it's, it's just, it's a different world. It's a different mindset to come to America and for a better life, period. We don't, you don't, right. you don't care when you're coming over, you don't care about politics. When you come over, you don't care about what you're going to drive. You just want to be able to drive. You just want to be able to earn a living. You just want to be able to make life better for your family. And then the rest Absolutely. of the, and then the rest of the minutia and, and everything, everybody gets caught up with on a daily basis that is so insignificant in, in the whole scheme of survival and, and having the best for your family. Then, yeah, I guess they'll jump into that, but from the right. onset it's about just a better life and i know my grandparents went through it i saw uh, mm-hmm. you know i've heard a ton of stories and just you know heard so much about you know how how they came along how they did things how they came to this country to make things and, and make things for themselves better and their family mm-hmm. and it worked it really did work this is the land of opportunity i don't care what anybody says because my mm-hmm. grandparents proved it and and I'm, yep. I'm living proof. I'm not just a talker. I'm a living. I'm alive and breathing. Right. Like yeah. they write it down. They, I'm their writing. I'm the manifestation of everything that 
they were. So I appreciate right. giving. I get worked up about it, but because just, <laughs> I, I just do, man. That's good, though, man. That's good. That's good. I just do. I agree. I'm proud. I'm proud. I'm proud yeah. of my culture. I'm proud of my grandparents for for making that move. And so I I really empathize. And again, with it's, that. it's up to us, man. It's up to us to keep to keep carrying this kind of stuff on, man. Yeah. It's up to us, like you said, to keep carrying that fire, that fire within us. And, and to teach the next generation. So. Yeah, for sure. Because I, I got kids, man, and uh, yep. and they need to know, and they do know, and and I need their kids to know, and I, you know, all just keep passing it on so it doesn't ever die out. And so, Absolutely. Uh, great, good stuff. I'm glad we talked about that because I feel about ten. 10 pounds lighter. <laughs> I wish I was 10 pounds lighter. <laughs> so now, Coach, your support system, you know, mm-hmm. those who help you and counsel you and guide you along the way, how important is that to you? Super, super, super important. Uh, that, that list can go on forever, uh, and I'm so thankful for that. Um, but, I mean, I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. I wouldn't be. I don't know if I'd even be tasting what I'm doing right now because um, I have constant support uh, in my corner. I think that's so important. It's just who you have around you. Yeah. And uh, like I said, I can, I can thank my parents uh, for, for always being there and, and Coach Rodney Perry, Coach Mills, Coach Patterson, the ORE staff, um, people like them that like like Coach Perry, me and him talk very often about how, how's it looking? What do you guys need to work on? You know, um, and then he just even checks my well-being. You know, and I yeah. think that's super important. Uh, how, how how are you doing outside of basketball and stuff? And um, and then, I, like I said, I have my daughter. She's like my number one fan. Oh, nice. uh, she'll be front row at my games and stuff. And yeah, um, I, she's seen my interview. It's funny. She's seen my interview like the other day, and she's like, "So you so you're interviewing?" She's like, "Oh, you're famous now." She's like, "So you're famous?" <laughs> and I'm like, "No, no, no, chill out." There you go. I said, "Chill out." There no, no, no chill out. But it's cool just just having her see me like do what I do, and and I'm doing it for her too. Uh, to understand that stuff at a at a young age, bringing her to practices and stuff, and understanding discipline and hard work, you know, and yeah. Uh, so having her, and then like I said, just my my friends and family that that list could go on forever. But their support is just it, it means so much to me, man. I can't even explain it. <laughs> you know, you t- you said something about your daughter. I got four daughters, right? And yeah. uh, so I, I get an earful constantly about anything and everything that I'm involved with, and uh, which is cool because, you know, I'm the king of the castle, but the castle's pink, right? So, like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really, really okay with that, comfortable on my skin, all that. And uh, it's we talk about representation from a culture aspect, but I think from a family dynamic aspect, that representation also probably, probably means more because she sees you every day. Right. And so she right, sees, absolutely. man, my dad's a success. My dad's famous. Like, that means, man, that means so much, you know? And it's one of right. those things that I think every coach out there can say if they have kids or one day aspire to have kids is that they want to be that hero. They want to be that uh, role model to their to their kids, you know? And I think that's just mm-hmm. super important. So when you said that, I'm like, man, that that's big time. That's big. Yeah, you big, can relate. You can relate. You can relate having your daughters, man. It's, yeah. it's one of those things you want them to be more successful than you. Yeah, for sure. I want I want her to be so set up and just and ready to go with life. You know, all, all of our little mistakes. At least try to introduce them to them. Like, hey, like you can go down this way. You can go down this way. Um, but just just helping them out. You want to see them do better than you. So. For sure. 
Now, Coach, my last question is always about legacy, and I know you still got a long ways to go, and you're just getting started, you know, in your head coaching uh, career now. And so I, kind of as a working legacy, like what you see down the line, what would you want to be said of you when your career is all said and done? I'm sure this will change uh, at the end of my career. I'll be like, why did I say that? But, uh, but I, from the, from what I kind of have taken from now, like what I, why I'm doing it and everything is, like I said, one, you want, like, are your kids, you know, you want them to be able to talk very highly of you about being a good father and uh, following your footsteps, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. But as far as, like, from the career and, and stuff, I'd say I, when, it's crazy that I, like, I even picture that day down the road or whatever, but, like, at your funeral, you'd eventually, you'd want your, everybody that you've touched or, or came across, like, you want it to be that kind of funeral to where it's just, man, he really helped this many people, you know, whether that's coaches along with your family, uh, friends, players, you know. Yeah. I want them to be able to be there and be like, man, he was such a big part of my life. And in whatever aspect that is, whether that's he helped me with, with, uh, getting on track or just being there, whatever. Um, I just want them to be like, man, he, he chased his dreams. He, he was a great coach, great father. Uh, and just be, and just be proud to, to have been a part of my life. And I'm hoping I can impact so many people, man, to where it's just that, that'd mean the world to me. It's just that I can impact so many lives. Consumora, I really do. Thank you for your time, brother. I really do. And, 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 you know, here again, being able to talk about some of these subjects that uh, really hit home for us, in, you know, in particular. And so, uh, man, thank you for your time and thank you for your story. All right. No, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on, Mike. And, and like I said, if you ever want to talk to something, man, you can, you can hit me up. Uh, sure. And any coaches and stuff, any coaches and stuff listening to this, if you guys want to contact me, um, you can you can direct message me or you can shoot me a, a text or a phone call. Uh, and is it cool if I get my number out, Mike? Yeah, so do so it, people man. have it if they do want it. it. Do it. Uh, but my my number you guys can reach me at is is four one nine seven eight nine eight one six one. And like I said, it, I don't say that just to say that. Uh, I love being able to help out anybody and everybody. So so don't ever hesitate to to contact me. Coach, again, man, thank you for your time. Thank you for your availability. And, uh, and good luck to you the rest of the way.